Good morning and welcome to the Sunday Chronicle. I'm your host, Giannis Jackson, coming to you from Stacks 92.1. We're here to present this community platform because community knows what community needs. Today, we're going to talk about the financial literacy gap in America. And today, I have to talk about that, I have a special guest, Mr. Charles Moore, CPA. He's with Charles Moore and Associates. He owns his own firm. So not only is he an accountant who is very active in the Lansing community, he's someone I've had the pleasure of knowing for quite some time. And um, he's very active politically and donates or he uh, donates his time to several causes uh, throughout throughout the community. So he's worked with hundreds of businesses from small to large, helping them focus and grow each day with experience. His expertise um, has helped clients see the big picture by shifting focus on day-to-day operations and working on financial forecasting while reducing expenses. Charles is a leader in the Michigan financial community and has established relationships with top-level government officials and upper management in the private sector. So, um, Charles, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. And, and, you know, every time you hear about yourself, you think, is that really me? (laughs) Am I really doing all that? You know, uh, and I'm humbled to, um, to be here and I hope I can shed some light on some of the issues that, that we want to discuss. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure you can. I know that you are uh, very well versed in this area. Um, so I wanted to talk a little today about uh, the financial literacy gap in America. Um, I know that this is uh, an area that's very important as establishing a basic foundation here, you know, in the community, within uh, the entire nation. And, and, and I know just by experience, if not being financially sound or literate can really affect every area of one's life. So. Uh, tell me a little bit about what piqued your interest in accounting and, and financial literacy. Um, when I was um, when I was when I was a kid, I, I'm from I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana, okay. and and so I had probably the largest paper route in the whole city. Wow! You know, back in the day, I think I was in seventh or eighth grade. I was, uh, you know. Um, and I had enough where I had two people that worked for me, you know. And um, one time the, the money came up a little short. And I thought, uh, man, if I was an accountant or if I, you know, if I, you know, I was always really good with numbers. So that, that really piqued my interest. And then when I was in high school, uh, our basketball coach Terry Flynn, he 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 taught typing, but his um, sweet mate was uh, Mr. Yancey, and Mr. Yancey taught accounting. And and uh, since I was the uh, uh, point guard and the quarterback of the team, I spent a lot of time up there. And actually, uh, Mr. Flynn was my homeroom teacher, and I would get a chance to talk to him and Mr. Yancey. And Mr. Yancey said, if if um, if you want to have a job and a career, accounting is it. 
He said, because they're always going to need a scorekeeper. Hmm. And I thought, wow, that sounds good. And I'm good at accounting. And, I mean, I'm good at math. Let's let's try this, right? You know, those two experiences led me to finance. And, and then in college, I had a professor, Miss um, D, Miss Lespinazzi, um, she probably pushed me over the edge because she, I was really a decent student. And then one time I got, um, I got like a 92.4. And a 93 would have been like an A minus mm-hmm. or an A or something like that, whatever the square was. And she gave me um, the lower grade. Because usually if you dare, they just round you up, right? And mm-hmm. she said, well, you don't deserve to be rounded up. And I said, why? She said, you come to class on time. You, you know, you know, everybody else is here early. You know, you're not doing the extra, blah, 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 right? And I thought, wow, okay. So I, then when I was uh, studying for the CPA exam, I called and I said, hey, you know, um, I didn't pass the first time. She said, well, she said, well, Charles, I told you, hey, you, you can't do this. You know, you just you just can't do this. Why don't you go into management? So, you know, I knuckled down. And then the day I passed, the first person I called was her. Mm-hmm. And she said, I said, you know what happened? She said, you passed. I said, well, how do you know? She said, well, you're the easiest student I ever had. All I had to do is tell you you couldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, that mean, and I really didn't have to work hard. All I had to say is you couldn't do it, and 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 um, and 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 you were always determined. So I knew you could, but all I had to do was just say you couldn't, right? I mean, I mean, it, those words, and and so I take that when we talk about financial literacy, I think. We, we just go back to education, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That um, everybody learns different. Now we have more of a herding mentality for it's like one size fits all. Yes. Yeah. And poor kids learn different than middle class and rich kids. What is that that causes that? that disparity is it the do you think it's just the income or well i think especially with a applied sciences like accounting science and and that you have to do the work every day yeah because if you miss today you can never do tomorrow or the next day because they build on each other mm-hmm. right so if you if you miss chapter one, you can never do chapter eight. It's not like um, social studies or something like that. You can just kind of read and catch up. If you don't have some, um, like if you can't do fractions, you can't do calculus. If you can't multiply, you can't do uh, calculus or fractions, right? Mm -hmm. And so what happens with, I think, Kids that's in poverty, they're too, they're very inconsistent. Mm. Like as a as a student, I was looking at my uh, report card because I still have it from high school. I missed four days of high school. Mm. 
And three of those days were Senior Skip Day and the day after Senior Skip Day, mm-hmm. right? So literally school was over, right? And then I took one day off to go on a college visit mm-hmm. and maybe was sick one day. But that's what it takes for, you know, what I call applied sciences. You have to be on top of it literally every day mm-hmm. because they're building blocks, right? Yes. And I think the poverty gap, you know, kids moving from one place to another have mm-hmm. to take a week off for this or, you know, catastrophic, ha- catastrophic things happen within the family, which causes a kid to stay home for a couple of weeks or a couple of days. They never recover. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so those those areas are not being addressed. So it's not a, a one size fits all. So if I come in. If I have a lesson plan, then it, it needs to be tailored. Are you saying it needs to be tailored to the audience? Well, I think even bigger than that, I think urban education, and, and I talk about this in my book, that... Your book. Oh, yes. What is your book? Yeah, my book is called The Aftermath of Brown versus the Board of Education. Okay. Okay. And so... One of my primary focus in our practice is education, right? So we've been doing it for 20-some years. You know, we're in the process of doing more diversification, but we, we know we have somewhat a niche. So I get to see it from a different perspective, right? And what I see is that schools that have a professional staff where 65, 70% of those kids actually, their, their kid, uh, the professional staff, their kids actually attend that district, the, you have good schools. Yeah. When you have less than 20, 25%, you got bad schools. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, if, if you're at a school and you're teaching and it's not good enough for your children, yeah. right? If it's, you know, you can't sell something that you won't buy yourself. Right. 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 So that's why General Motors gives all the executives company cars. Mm. Right. So people will see them in a General Motors car. Right. 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 Because if the president of General Motors was driving a Toyota, that sends a bad message. Oh, right. So if, so if you're the principal or you superintendent and you you some and your in your kids, you know, we had situations where board members of urban schools kids go to a private that's school. what i was going to ask you about yeah i i, I recall uh there was a, a time that that happened i mean what what did, what did you say to yourself when you found out that these board members of yeah. this, uh, and, and 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 then if you look there was a thing and and you know and i'm saying this because people can google this yes yeah, yeah. but um um they they, they sent 12 people to prison, 12 or 15 people to prison because they stole money. Mm-hmm. And they were all principals in the Detroit public schools, right? Uh-huh. And and they stole money based on some supplies or something like that, right? Well, well the, the issue was, so they, they named the people and where they lived at. Mm-hmm. 
and they happen to be all African American, right? Not one of them lived in the city of Detroit. Hmm. Think about that. Think about it. some kids never ever see their principal besides at school. Hmm. And so when Brown never took that into account, right? They never really took to account because we we had community schools, right, where we would subsidize teachers and principals and, you know, fix their car for free and do all this type of stuff because we couldn't pay them enough, yeah. right? Where now they just, they don't live there anymore. I mean, they're, I mean, they would help out Johnny, but they really just don't know Johnny. And, you know, that happens with policing too, right? Do you think it's like, with them not living here, it's not really like them having a vested interest interest in the community would you say or what makes that well they care but they not committed right i mean mm -hmm. you, you you can't necessarily be committed to something that you're really not a part of right that's what i was thinking i, I mean you're really yeah. you're really not a part of the you know and we had an argument you know you know facebook chattering back and forth uh -huh. and a friend of mine named michael mack he's a, a council president down in michigan city but he wasn't at the time but you know he politically astute mm -hmm. and we were talking about him and then there's michigan city elston which is a suburban school right mm -hmm. and i said think about it if you got your high school and Michigan City is going to play Elston, but your assistant principal is sitting on the other side mm -hmm. because his kid plays on Elston, right? Wow. And the, the <laughs> math, science, and the gym teacher are working the concession stand, and they're wearing the colors of Elston because their kids go there. Wow. Yeah. So really, how can you be committed? Right. Yeah. You understand? Because we, you know, we we have a thing called community schools, mm -hmm. but they're not community schools anymore. No, they're just not because the only people that live in the community is the people that go there, not the people that work there. Yeah. Right. And so part of that, we have to change the modeling of compensation because the compensation model is set up on people living there. And and. Uh, and we really have to set it up more on a corporate model now based on performance. On, on, on performance. So what about on location? You think that should be taken into account? Like if they're not a resident of the area, should it be? I, I, think, I think it's too far to reverse. It's too far to reverse. Yeah. People just aren't moving back. You know, they're just not. And what... So it's not necessarily, do, do you think it's just this black community or do you think it's black and brown? I think with it, these disparities. Even in rural communities. Oh, okay. Right, even in rural communities where, you know, it's still separated by economics. So it's, it's mar marginalization just based on where people are located and the pay structures is based on a system that rewards people for being internal or being in well, that well is well you know um the concept hasn't really changed yet that you know the unionization of it that it's a one size fits all and i don't think that's the model for urban education anymore i think you gotta pay for a performance right mm -hmm. and my book describes how you can do that because to teach a kid 
to teach to bring a school to standard, right? Mm-hmm. And have ninety five percent at risk or kids that that come from families within poverty, it's going to be a lot tougher than bringing a school with 3%, 15%, right? And two-parent homes and that type of stuff. So the people that do that need to make more money. Right. If they can do it. This would be uh, a big boost in the economy, I would think, doing something like that. I mean, because the poverty level right now, I, I think it does depend on these, uh, you know, the the different the, the disparities is is so this is one thing that we um, definitely want to address. I wanted to ask you too, Charles, about the um, women in mm. particularly, and 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 the uh, wage gap um, with, with women versus men in a in a professional or a work setting. What 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 do you think about that? Because I know that um, I you know I think that. It's it's like that for every race but blacks. I said the, the blacks are the only race where the females the the females out earn the males. Every other race is there is no other race like that. I mean, in the black community, women are um, graduating from college mm-hmm. seven to one. Mm-hmm. And in the impoverished neighborhoods, all the money flows, you know, through social services, through friend of the court, through females. Mm-hmm. And in fact, on a political stance, um, uh, Trump's atomic bomb was to actually go after black males that feel left out. Right. And for the first time in history. With the unemployment and what they call the gig workers, that was people that was hustlers or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was the first time the government really gave black men and Hispanic men mm-hmm. money directly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the first time in history. And if you remember, Nancy Pelosi would not let them have another stimulus package. And the only thing that Trump miscalculated was just how fast they would spend the money. So by the election, they were already broke. So they were angry again and back to the other side. Mm -hmm. But if he could have got another stimulus package, it might have been a different race, you know, because but in the majority community, that's true, you know. Well, this do you think that's just something that changed recently? And I don't know. I don't have a bunch of information in front of me, but I did do a little research, and this is um, based on uh, data collected from the the Shriver Center on Poverty Law, and it, it says that uh, despite progress towards gender equity over the past several decades, women are for, uh, far more likely to experience poverty than men. In fact, women are 30% more likely to live in poverty than men, and that 16.3 million women in the United States, or more than one in eight. And women of color experience poverty at much higher weight rates than white women. So I don't know if that's, you know, that's a little bit different than what you're saying, maybe because this might be some older research. But 
is that? Yeah, but but the population is different. So when when we when we um, take just see that's saying all right. They're taking the the all the data. You know, mm-hmm. all the men, and you know, white men outpace everybody else by a, a substantial margin, right? Yes. Yes. So they make up for mm-hmm. that. But if you just take black men, just black men. Okay. you know, you, you segregate them out. In fact, if you if you just take a look at, I mean, just, you know, step back a little and you look at positions of power, mm-hmm. you there's very few black men in positions of power anymore. I mean, if you just look back, I mean, you know, all around the city, it's it's pretty much all women now. I mean, it's I mean, 75, 80 percent of mm-hmm. it now. Yes. And if it's a, a black person in that role is because they're graduating more. They're better educated. They're they're earning more yes. now in the white community um, with diversity. White women have done secondly best right you know they have moved up substantially but the gap was so far right so white women although they still underpaced white men and some black men they've moved right i mean they've had more opportunities now than ever right Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm I mean, that's a big demographic there, and that's why right now the number of single-parent homes, right? And the other thing is what people don't understand is that the face of poverty in America um, is black people. So when you Mm -hmm. see the welfare line and you see all that, there's always an image of a bunch of black people standing around, right? Yes. But the reality of it is uh, white America almost doubles the amount of blacks that's in, impoverished because it's just more. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, just by the sheer by number, the numbers, oh. by the numbers. And that is the group of people that 30 percent in the French. So we have to look a little deeper than, than absolutely. Just this. Yeah. OK. Yeah, so. absolutely. Because, you know. You know, we use visualization, right? Yes. And society has pegged poverty with, and and that's what drives Trump, right? And I just wanted to, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just want to check in really quick and remind everyone that you are listening to the Sunday Chronicle coming from Stacks 92.1. I'm your host, Giannis Jackson, and I'm sitting with Charles Moore, CPA, and we're talking about the wage gap, financial literacy, the wage gap in regards to race and gender. And um, I, I, you, and please go ahead. We're talking about the sheer numbers. Yeah, just the sheer, just the sheer numbers. The number, the, the 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 largest demographic population in this country is white women, because it's just more women than men, yeah. and the largest constituent group is white folks, right? Yes. So it would just say that white women, right? They dictate elections, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. I mean, when you they say, uh, uh, you know, you need blacks, but it is the temperature of white women 
that really dictate because they're in the majority and, and they vote heavy, right? Yes. And so um, their wages have creeped up to the level of black men. See, what people don't understand back in the day, women were black and white were suppressed, right? I mean, yes. it wasn't limited to just black women. I mean, men rule the roost, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, men rule the roost, black and white, and they just kind of, I mean, they fought amongst each other. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, as they say down south, the women folk were in the background, right? Mm -hmm. And so as equality came and, and African Americans fought for equality, uh, white women took advantage of it also and they fought for their own separatization and all of those type of things and they've moved through the ranks maybe not as fast and not as much but they've moved too so charles our time is growing near mm -hmm. so what would you want what would you like to leave the community with the, the community of lansing something that you want to say or just leave an impression on the audience that is listening to you today well i think that you know when we talk about financial literacy and in the in the gap of education i want people to understand that Society is set up for a lot of people to fail educationally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the people say, well, why? Because people that fail educationally become cheap labor. And cheap labor is what fuels America. Yes. yes. I mean, and so. It's by design. It's Absolutely. It's by design. I mean, when it's all said and done. The systems are set up for the majority of the people to not be educated, to not be uh, real productive. Right. Why? They're cheap labor. So knowledge is power. Well, Charles, I appreciate you coming in today to talk about addressing the wage gap and poverty and some of the things that we need to do. I want to thank you for, for being the sponsor here, for sponsoring this platform. And I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in for another episode of the Sunday Chronicle. Thank you again, Charles, uh, for, for, for sponsoring this. And I'm your host, Giannis Jackson, coming to you from Stacks 92.1. Join us next week as we present this important community platform because community knows what community needs. Have a great day. Thanks.